This episode of the podcast is presented by Knowing Hospitality, a full-service hotel management and consulting company that works directly with hotel owners and managers to help stabilize their properties and take on projects that are critical to their operation. Knowing Hospitality can be the extra set of hands that you need to make sure your hotel is best positioned for today's environment. Visit knowinghospitality.com to learn more. Now let's get to the podcast. I'm afraid hospitality needs to remember what our name is, and we are the ones that have to realize those are the guests of our future, those are the guests today, and we need to look after them as best we can. Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best-run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight. My guest today is Teresa Ito. Teresa was a guest in the early days of the show, and she's back today to share insights into how she pivoted her company to find new opportunities during the pandemic. Now, a little background on Teresa. She's successfully led teams for iconic brands, including Fairmont, Le Meridian, Sandals, and Hilton. She's now founder and principal at Blue Mountain Solutions, a hospitality consulting and leadership training company based in Victoria, British Columbia. I asked Teresa back on the show to talk about how the pandemic has affected her business. I wanted to dive into what she's learned by talking with different teams and business owners in industries outside of hospitality and her message for 2021. Ultimately, our goal for the episode is to inspire people at every level within an organization to take action. So let's get to it. This is episode 37 of the Proven Principles podcast, Teresa Ito on resiliency in the face of an industry's collapse. Enjoy. It's good to have you on, Teresa, again. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. It's it's my pleasure. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think it's. Uh, it's been great to stay connected with you through all of this. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you for your early support of the show. Um, mm-hmm. I think you were on episode eleven. Yeah, uh, something like er- that. Early days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's good to have you back again. And and uh, what we're talking about today is lessons learned through COVID, pivoting, and finding new business opportunities. Uh, as relevant as ever, as we're recording this on January sixth, twenty twenty one. So for anybody listening. Three years from now, when COVID is hopefully a distant memory, yeah, <laughs> that's this that's is what we were feeling now. Yeah, what we're feeling now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if anybody hasn't listened to your first episode, maybe just give a quick rundown on you know, who you are, what you do, your background, your how you're connected to the industry. Um, you know, your, sure. uh, your origin story, as it was. Yeah, my name's Teresa Ito, and I run a company called Blue Mountain Solutions, and we provide leadership development and customer service, particularly to tourism and hospitality professionals. Um, I'm born and raised in Jamaica. That's my homeland. I lived there for 20 years and 20 years also in England until we found the beautiful shores of Vancouver Island, and we now live, our family now lives here in Canada, and we are actually Canadians as well now, which is wonderful. (laughs) Thank you. And so my journey has been 34 years in in the hotel industry, Um, both sides of it, both food and beverage and rooms. Um, I thought I was just a rooms girl. And then I went into the deep, dark side of food and beverage. And boy, was it fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) 
the dark and you never came back really <laughs> that's right yeah, yeah you never you it, never do recover from food it and beverage it's always in your blood <laughs> and true. of course i'm married to an executive chef too so i was always destined to be there so, so that um, helps. Yeah. yeah yeah and he's in the company as well he offers um culinary expertise and processes and support in within kitchens mm-hmm. um but Basically, I, I worked um, in London, uh, very much old school of, you know, 1980s is when I started my first job. And it was to do every every job in the most the the most basic level on the line staff level in every department. And when you were good enough, when they deemed you good enough, you were then allowed to be in the next department. So that was the training manager of old. Um, and I've had the great opportunity of um working in London. I went back to Jamaica in my 20s and worked for Sandals Resorts International. Um, and I actually became their first female general manager. Loved my time there. Um, and and have been running this company for 13 years now, both in England and here in Vancouver Island, Canada. And that's where we are today. Yeah. Which is uh, which has been uh, completely upended uh, your business. I know we were talking offline about how things have been going and it's I don't want to dwell a lot on on what's happened, but I do mm-hmm. think it's important to get perspective on on uh, maybe how things have played out over the last six months, uh, nine months with with businesses. And the reason that that we have you on the show today is to talk about how your core business of looking after hotel and hospitality people how you had to start looking outside of that, that realm, using the principles of great hospitality leadership, but maybe taking that into other industries. Yes, if I'm being absolutely. a little clunky in the explanation, but, uh, yeah, but that's the whole it. context of the show today. So mm-hmm. maybe, can you just give a, a sense of like how the last year has been for you, for your business? Yeah. So on? the first, the first three months of 2020 were our best three months ever <laughs> in 13 years. I had um, five associates working virtually full-time with me um, on a contract basis. And then um, on the on, Feb- on Friday the 13th, all the business disappeared. The calendar fell off, fell away. Everything was cancelled, not just postponed. Um, and then that was a moment of, okay, what do we do now? You know, um, And this is where I think my my leadership and everybody's leadership really kicked in because I thought, okay, what's the most important thing? And I had to make sure I was breathing. Okay, I'm breathing. Good. Am I looking after myself? How's my mental health? It's good, actually. In fact, I'm I'm pretty good in. <laughs> I'm a first aider, and I've I've handled too many disasters to not be good in it <laughs> at, at over fifty in a in a crisis. So first of all, am I breathing? Am I good? Yeah, my husband's great. Um, and then our four children. Once I was sure that everybody was okay, then I started realizing that what I needed to do was reach out to my clients. I needed to stay connected. And it's probably the most difficult time that I've ever picked up a phone to someone is, is in this because they, they're not sure what they're doing. Uh, you're not sure what their response is going to be. But I knew that instinctively my core was telling me I needed to connect with um, all my clients and everybody who I knew in the industry. So it wasn't only my clients, it was, it was friends as well. And I had nothing to sell. There was no one was going to buy. I offered an ear. I offered complimentary um, consulting support to anybody. And I had lots of documents sent to me and it allowed me to go through things and talk things out with other peers uh, and let them put things out that 
that made sense by having them bounce it across me. Because, you know, in this in this sort of situation, it can be very lonely. You're the person at the top. Everyone's asking you questions and a lot of us didn't know the answers. There weren't, there weren't answers yet. So for me, that was really important to stay connected and keep communicating with people, even, yeah. even if we didn't know the answers. Yeah. Just stay, I mean, it's such a tight-knit community as it is in, in yeah. the hotel space, right? And, and this is a time more than ever when, when we need to lean on each other. And, you know, hospitality is, I mean, it's, I, I use the term tight-knit because you, you come across the same people again and again, especially mm-hmm. if, you, if, you're, if you're in certain segments of the industry, yes. right? But we never, we never do a good job of, of leaning on other people yes. when we need the support, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's, there's not a lot of interaction that goes on outside of the four walls of your hotel to try to help have other people, freelancers and consultants, help you with problems that are going on in your building. Everyone thinks yes. that the expertise already exists within mm-hmm. their place. I don't know if it's a sign of weakness. I don't know if it's resistance against spending money, whatever, but, right. but you know, this is that time where, where we, we, this industry needs to get past that. So yeah. I think it's, it's great that you've been able to do that. Yeah. And um, another thing I did was I realized obviously that a lot of leaders and line staff or all the line staff had been not all, um, had been laid off um, and that people were feeling very, very unhappy um, and mental health was a big thing. So I thought, okay, what I can do is I'll start some hospitality professional sessions for anyone who wishes to join. It wasn't just my clients or past clients or any particular level. It was anyone in the industry at all. Um, and I had 25 professionals sign up and we did. I did 12 weeks of these complimentary sessions, about an hour and a half every week and it was amazing how connected we we felt it was and we were we wasn't just felt and it was the first time I had ever hosted zoom I had never hosted a zoom online training I'm a in-person kind of girl so out of my comfort zone sure but then so was everybody else so you either jumped into it or you sat and watched from the sidelines and and that's just not my style and it was wonderful. The messages I would get after I had done the Tuesday sessions were, Teresa, I don't know if I've ever told you, but it's the only day of the week I get out of bed and put makeup on or get, oh, wow. get dressed, you know. Yeah. And, um, and it was men and women. And it was right across Canada, one person in Jamaica. Uh, it was literally from, um, from New Brunswick, Ottawa, all the way back to Victoria. And then one person in Jamaica as well, who, mm-hmm. and you know, when, when you hear that you're the reason someone got out of bed this week, you better continue next week. So I, right. it was so right. great. So I did it for three months and it was just wonderful. Complimentary, yeah. of course. That's amazing. Um, it was fun. Yeah. And, and I mean, you learn your skills along the way I did. Uh, and did it help? Uh, has it helped how you approach your business now? Yes. Um, I, I realized that I, I think I'm not a big risk taker, which is probably why I'm not sort of on the stock exchange and a multimillion dollar, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, I realized my limitations and it's because I'm not a huge risk taker and risk taker can be just nervous about doing new things. And that I totally fell into that category I wanted to do what I was really confident in doing. And I wanted to do it when I had perfected it. Well, there was no time for that. You had to be trying different things. So, for example, one of the things, um, one of the projects I started was train share. So normally I would train 
12 leaders from one property. So let's say the Fairmont Empress, 12 leaders, and they go through four full days of training over four months with, with me and my company. And then at the end of the four months, they've all the, all the different um, tactics that they've used and their growth. And we measure it in the three ways, the financial, the employee engagement and the guest delight. Um, but of course, no one had 12 people to send. So I said, OK, this one's going to be called train share. This one's mm. going to be you can send one person, you know. And so I opened it up to, again, everybody. And, and we had eight people in a room together. Oh, wow. And and uh, next week is part four, and we're going to have twelve people. Sorry, in two weeks, week we, uh, is part four, and there will be twelve people in this. Someone from Eagle Wing, someone from Camosun, several hotels, and oh, but wow. no one is from the same property. And the synergy in that room is amazing. I mean, talk about networking too, right? I mean, yeah. you've got people from you know different different industry all all there to talk about. Uh, hospitality principles and leadership exactly. and development and taking care of, of other people. That's uh, which, which is the whole point for wanting to have you on the show today is that is, is that, you know, we talked about earlier introducing hospitality principles to other industries and how you pivoted your business mm-hmm. um, and, and how people on property. So those, those general managers, those directors of operation, those directors of F&B, um, even supervisors and line level staff who are listening to this, how they can take some of the lessons and the experiences that, that you had through this, this pandemic and make it relevant to them on property. So right. how, how do you get inspired to make change at the Fairmont Empress if mm-hmm. you are director of operations, but yeah. you've got other stakeholders that are potentially not necessarily standing in your way, but may have different goals or or have a different view of how to approach the situation that we're in. Yeah. And there's so, a lot at stake. Of a course. lot of stake. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe let's, I mean, two big, su- two big subjects, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but maybe we talk about the first thing. So pivoting your business, let's, how Lovely. did you, how did you do that? So, so I, I want to put my business aside for a moment because I really want to talk to those operators and I feel comfortable doing that at this stage now that we're in January 2021 because of what's happened since for me since April of 2020, which was that the resiliency program reached out to me and said, you're a specialist in these areas. Normally, we couldn't afford you. Would you, for a much lower rate than you'd normally, provide support for different businesses who just don't have the know-how. And I said, absolutely happy to do that. And it's been more than half of my waking hours have been spent doing that for the last nine months. And so it's been breweries, restaurants, hotels, gift shops, bed and breakfast, cafes. And this is what I've been doing. So I've come away with a very, as as time went on, um, I've found some some um, I guess five top take takeaways that can be used for the operational leaders in any business so again this is putting my my business slightly aside really sure. to get to the meat of it so it's an opportunity to reevaluate your big picture so whether you're a department head um, if you're an executive housekeeper or are you the director of ops or general manager first of all what's your vision what's your purpose and your passion so, you know, you think, well, executive housekeeper, well, you know, I just clean rooms. No, you're creating experiences when, when guests come in. And then you have to think about how can I do this better? This 2020 was the great reset, whether we wanted it or not, it was the great reset. So 
this is an opportunity and we're still in the very um, dark, long, long, uh, short days. So it's an opportunity to really not ignore what, what we have the opportunity to do, which means I would love for everybody just to rebuild their business with intention. So really think about what do you choose to do? For example, if you've always, always done breakfast because the guests always expected you at a bed and breakfast, well, and you always hated it or it was always difficult or it never really worked, what just caused you, it just didn't bring you insidious joy. Then we worked a way to get rid of breakfast. Um, if you need to implement a two-night minimum stay because that's what's going to get you out of it, then that's what you need to do. So the, my first takeaway would be reevaluate your big picture. Is this what you want? And rebuild with intention. That would be number one. Um, should I move to number two? Yeah, absolutely. This Good. is gold here. So <laughs> I'm, I'm making notes as we're talking. So. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. So understand the financials. The data will set you free. It stops you from going towards, oh, I really like this. or I really... You've already made your decision what your big vision is. Now you need to look to your data. So again, I think to um, your micros, um, if you're in food and beverage, you know, your, um, uh, I, I think about your property management systems, uh, your Google Analytics, whatever that you have to hand, use it. I made some big changes on my website and some of the advice I had over the last year was... Um, do do some short videos. I cringe. I said, oh, I don't look good on video. Oh, do I? Oh, no. I love to do things in front of people, but I needed to get out of my own head and start to actually do something. Well, now Google Analytics are showing that on my website, the video resources, of which there are just 10 of them, are the most highly viewed area of my website. They've only wow. been up six months and they've huh. overtaken everything else that's on my very expensive website and the videos <laughs> were the cheapest part of it. <laughs> That's incredible. So understanding the financials. So what I mean is, for example, if you run food and beverage, break your restaurants up um, from a business point of view. I remember when I started managing a hotel here in Victoria, it was all, all the money was sort of in one pot. But it actually, when I broke it down, it was a, it was a pub, it was rooms, it was catering, it was a brewery, and it was a beer and wine store. And I took my time and it took some effort, but I broke down the financials, the revenue, the expenses, and the profit for each one. It didn't mean I was going to close one down. It just meant I needed to know what was going on here. Right. So and one of the things, <laughs> I've just started to cut you off. One of the no, things no. That, that amazes me is that these seeming, a lot of seemingly very sophisticated businesses, they do not track expenses or revenue like very well at all, right? It all just yeah. goes into a bucket and you just kind of figure out where you're at and, and that's yeah. that. But the benefit of breaking out everything that you're talking about is that you'll yes. start to get to know where to put effort into what, exactly. first of all, what's worth putting effort into mm -hmm. and uh, what's salvageable, what's what what you might be underpricing and what you yes. can charge a little bit more for. Like there's so many benefits to it. Yeah, so are you leaving money exercise. on the table? Yeah, for sure. for sure. Are you maximizing one bit? You can't do any more. Then mm -hmm. hold on. And we found that in one of the areas. We are charging far too little for our home-brewed home beer, which was award-winning, but we knew how much it costs and it was so cheap to provide. I mean, beer is not expensive to make. 
So they had priced it really low. And I was like, no, look at the market, look at the concept, look at that we're award-winning. It's it's damn good for a start. And then and then with that, we slowly, slowly eat it up and we're able to make a much better profit in that area. So have a look at your data um, and, and see where, where understand your financials. It, it was shocking to me out of the 49 businesses that I worked with over the last nine months, how many business owners don't even pay themselves. Wow. Wow. Oh, okay. My heart, you know. Huh. Why they is do that? Now. Why do you, because, they do now. Why do you think that is? Because they're thinking short term. They're working in their business rather than on their business. So as long as it's, it's black on the bank account, then they're not worried. It's, if it's red, then it's a different thing. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, you know, and, and then they're saying things like, but I, can, I don't need to sell that at that tree, so I can sell it for much cheaper. And I said, of course you can, but then you can't afford to put petrol in your car. Mm. And you can't afford to go on holiday when we're allowed to. Right. You know, don't don't you understand what you're and then you get to 60 and you have no pension, you haven't thought about your future. And we are so passionate in hospitality about giving great service that we often don't think about serving ourselves first. And we need true. to. Mm-hmm. So true. Love it. Um Okay, so understand your financials and pay yourself mm-hmm. if you yes. have your own business. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. Okay. Uh, what's number three? Number three is look after yourself. Um, and it's, it should actually be number one, but I think get them into it and then remind them of that. So looking after yourself. Um, one of the things I did in sharpening my saw, which is a seven habits mm-hmm. reference, as I know you know, but it's mm-hmm. one of the great seven habits of Kobe is look after yourself and sharpen your saw. So one of the things I did, for example, for myself in the last year was I went on a retreat. I went on a retreat when it was safe to do so with the correct number of people. Um, And then I also invested in training for myself because I didn't have time. I didn't make time is the truth of it before to invest in. I normally did something once, once a year for one week. But I invested in the John Maxwell, for example, um, leadership courses. And I am so enjoying um, learning and growing with a totally different company, with a totally different focus, not at all hospitality focus. And Mm -hmm. I'm gaining so much. So sharpening your saw is so important. Otherwise, if you're not, uh, I think looking after yourself is so important. So interestingly, in November of last year, uh, sorry, of, 20, of 2019, I started writing a journal. I'd never done it before. I kind of thought it was a bit frou-frou. I don't know what that means even. You know, I've, I'm more of a, you know, what once you've got a goal, you just push through and do it. Well, you know, I've listened to enough podcasts and really excellent speakers to know that, you know, you ought to be tapping into your intuition and listening to yourself more. So uh, I was so pleased that I had a few months under my belt when COVID really hit. And so, and I have enjoyed um, sitting and writing my journal every day. Would other people call it meditation? No. Do I call it meditation? No, but I sit quietly for 10 to 15 minutes every day and Mm -hmm. think about myself, which is seems very selfish, but it's actually self care. Yeah. Yeah. And of course my, the food I feed myself and I'm lucky I'm spoiled. I have a chef. (laughs) <laughs> on staff in the house in my bubble 
But something I always try and share with people is check your language. Really think about not only what you're saying out loud, but what you're saying to yourself as well. Your language is really important um, and how you say things. And, you know, often I, I think to myself, would I say that to my best friend, what I'm saying to myself? And there's no way I would be so critical or judgmental. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, that's when I have to put myself in check. Put yourself in check. I, you know, it, you bring up such a good point about self-care because uh, it, recognizing the signs of burnout are one of the, it's one of those funny things where it's hard to know, actually, even when you're burned out, it's hard to know that you're burned yes. out. It's usually yeah. other people will tell you or like, yes. or ask you, are you okay? But right. recognizing that in good times, you know, like two or th- two, three years ago, when everything was flying high and hotels were doing great, it was very easy to get burned out because you're just on that treadmill. You're in the grind seven days yes. a week, 24 hours a day. Yes. This, what we've been dealing with for the last what nine or 10 months, it produces a different kind of burnout. You're still burned out, but oh, yes. you've, you've got to recognize when, you know, if you're not sleeping properly, if you're not eating properly, if you're not getting enough exercise, if you're not surrounding yourself with positive words and journaling and meditating and yeah. unplugging for a little while. That mm-hmm. Actually, the funny, the other thing is, has been like, one of the consequences I know for me personally has been since I started doing this full time, yes. uh, I'm never not on the computer. Right. Right. And you're always tinkering with something. You're always doing something, but like that adds up to hours and those hours add up to things that you're not doing to take care of yourself or the people that are in your life. And, um, yeah, the self-care piece, I I agree with you. It should be number one, but you gotta, you gotta hook them first. (laughs) That's right. That's what I thought. Exactly. (laughs) And, um, so, and, So point number four is communicate. So it actually rolls really nicely with checking your language. Um, And don't don't make yourself a victim. I mean, I could have dragged my feet around saying, oh, poor me, you know, nothing for me and how bad the business is. And it it is, but that's not going to serve me well. So communication is really important. And I really feel this works really well when you talk about burnout, because if you try and be as the leader Um, leading a department or an entire property, as so many of our hoteliers listening do, it's very difficult to try and have it all together because that's how we normally like to present ourselves as I have all the answers. But then here in BC, for example, on the 30th of December, they said no alcohol to be served past 8 p.m. the following day. On the 30th. Now, are you telling me that didn't just something inside me just died? Well, somehow I need to think about, okay, what are we doing here? I need to get it right in my head. And then I need to communicate that in a way to my teams that's going to be honest, that I am very disappointed and I'm so sorry to have to share this with you. And they probably all heard it already on their their devices. But how are you going to communicate that with them? Are you going to put them into fear and frustration or are you going to say there will never be another new year's eve like this one and there won't be and i don't care if even if we're shut down next year which let's face it we, we won't be i hope but mm-hmm. it will it will be the second year we have had it it won't right. ever be so you have to give people something and you need to let them know that i don't have all the answers and i will i promise to share them with you as soon as i do have them 
And if you can do that, then you're ahead of the game. Oddly enough, if you if you lead with, I don't have all the answers, but this is yeah. what I know, that for some reason, I don't know what it is psychologically, but that actually makes you come across as more sincere, more approachable, <laughs> and willing to learn and change your mind as you get new information. Uh, whereas if, you know, I, I, we, I'm sure you've had managers, I certainly have that, you know, they're, they're the, they, they have all the answers. Yep. They don't listen to new information. Uh, they're not willing to dive deep into what it is that they're talking about, how that relates specifically to individuals in different departments in a hotel, just sort of blanket statements across the board. And then they're unapproachable. You can't go yes. find them and ask them questions later on. Um, that approachability and that, that real realism yeah authentic, so authenticity yeah is so important no you're right and and again if you share that true self with your team then then you are being it, it's le- there's less opportunity to burn out because they're understanding of you and if if i say that to you then you're probably going to say well Teresa, i get the updates on my phone do you want me to link up your phone to do it yes or you know adam could you just let me know when you know anything oh exactly. I, and, and then everyone becomes part of the solution rather than uh everyone complaining about it uh yeah, yeah, because yeah. then then you have to think again. What you're going to do with all the food and the booze and the printing that you had? Because I mean, it was an instant like this that we had when someone said, "Let's do a rerun of you know the." Uh, so we're going to have New Year's Eve on January the 31st. I was like, "Oh my God, that's there insane! Go. Yeah. How fantastic! I yeah. love it. Let's do it." Good idea. Yeah, and you wouldn't it. get that if you weren't approachable, right? People wouldn't right. feel safe to to share those ideas and. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's great. Okay. So, so communication. So number four. Yeah. And also that means communicating not only with your team, but also with your guests. Um, so whoever your guests are and your suppliers too, remember they're, they're, they, they're part of your internal guests too. Um, and then number five is be thankful and appreciative of your guests and your team. So this one is, and again, because we feel or we may feel that we are the victims in this. We stop saying thank you. We stop being appreciative. Um, and what's happening is we, I find um, that, again, with my 49 um, companies that I've worked with, you have the guests or their clients or their customers who are feeling nervous. They are feeling that when they come to buy your product, they are doing you a favor. And they don't like the changes. They are, you know, and so they're anxious. They don't like things and they think they're doing a favor. And then you have us, the providers on the other side. We're frightened. We're frustrated. We've been losing money. We're confused. And we think we're doing them a favor because we've put in all these plexiglass and all these protocols. And so what's happening now, because it's been going on so long, is you have a little bit of frustration where two sides are meeting each other and we both think we're doing you a great favor. And I'm afraid hospitality needs to remember what our name is and we are the ones that have to realize those are the guests of our future, those are the guests today, and we need to look after them as best we can. It's so interesting that you brought this up because I had this experience uh, over the Christmas holiday. Right. Where uh, I stayed at uh, two separate hotels, mm-hmm. and one was a luxury hotel. I won't I won't call them out, uh, okay. but it, one was a luxury hotel, and one was a, an independent, like mid scale property. Mm-hmm. 
typically you would expect that those experiences would be uh, very different. What I would say is that the mid-scale property met my expectations of what they would have, what it normally would have been. The luxury property met the expectations of a mid-scale property. So they definitely kind of slid down the rung a little bit. Mm-hmm. And where where that comes into play is the luxury hotel getting being able to interact with anybody on property was like pulling teeth, right? Everybody wanted to just stay away and keep their heads right. down. You know, you walk through the lobby and everybody's heads down clacking away on their computers. You couldn't engage with anybody. And then when we right. checked out, there was there was no thank you for staying. Right. Which, which is in typical times is like, would be an interaction standard at the front desk. Just, and you, it's, you're robotic. You're like, thank you for staying. Thank you for staying. Hope to see you again. Like it doesn't. Right. But the mid scale property actually did a far better job of, of interacting with us. Uh, I mean, there were other technical and room issues, but you know, that, that aside, they were better. They thanked us for our business and it was a truly heartfelt, like, Thank you for being here. Your business is important to us. And yeah. you being here for this long is helping to keep the doors open so that our people can work. Mm-hmm. And there's just something about that acknowledgement that mm-hmm. is, uh, it's really important because people right now, if you're trying to stay in hotels, you have abundant choice. Mm-hmm. So where you choose yeah. to put your dollars is, is, is really important to, yes. uh, to the hotel you're going to. And so we've got to value them. And again, gracious, we have to be kind um, and understand that th- these are these are times that we will look back on. And I, I really, really believe that we will look back and, and all we can say is that, we, you know, we went out with our best, our best self, our best version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So this is what uh, uh, are the, these five points here. This is the 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 message for 2021 or the, this is kind of the 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 five mantras uh, as it were yes for now and you know they might change as we go along um for me my mantra for 2021 is are the words of the great bob marley who said get up stand up <laughs> i love it yeah it's good that's good um i want to just talk a little bit get your perspective on uh, how somebody who's on property right now, who's maybe not in a position of direct, uh, decision-making and implementation. Yeah. Uh, how do they take these five learnings and some of the things that we've talked about today and make them actionable in a way that can be meaningful in their hotel or, or, or a restaurant or vacation rental business or, you know, somebody who's, who's, you know, follows you and and is listening to the show right now, who's maybe not in hospitality. What's that? How do you get people to still feel hopeful that they can impact their businesses and still stay engaged? I believe when when I think back to the time that I I had joined a top, a five-star hotel here in Canada in as I joined, four months later, we were in a recession. I joined in the end of 2008. And there, there are two choices. You can either just batten down the hatches, hold on, reduce your costs, and just hope that there'll be a few leaders standing at the end kind of thing. Or you can say, hold on, we've got to do something here. And we were in Victoria. There weren't 
any international travels coming coming this way at all in 2009 and 2010. And it wasn't going away either. It wasn't just short term. Um, so that, that you're only limited to how much you can hold down. You've got to think again. You've got to get your head up and go, what else can we do here? So again, I was food and beverage manager, um, 100 members of staff, seven um, leaders who reported to me. And I knew that the, the that I would lose half of that team, maybe even more, if I didn't think quickly and I couldn't do it on my own. So we synergized and we came up with this program called Friends of the Empress, which brought um, prominent guests of the city back to um, back to the hotel. Yeah, I actually and remember that program. It yeah. was unbelievable. And we raised, I mean, the amount of revenue we made was ridiculous by doing events and actually saying this actually is the locals hotel this is not because before we really hadn't been we were a little bit austere and because we were quite happy with the the money that was flowing in from international travelers well all of a sudden we had to make sure that we were looking after our locals and it was it was unbelievable not only not only did we have no money to start it because who was going to invest in anything we we made we created it ourselves and it was myself the executive chef and the endorsement of the director of operations, um, Jean-Bierre Dumas, who is to this day still my mentor. And together we, and I remember licking the envelope for the first five Friends of the Empress cards that went out going, I hope this works, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, within three and a half years, there were 10,000 members of, of wow. the Friends of the Empress. Yeah, it was, and it created revenue and kept people in jobs. Mm-hmm. And we had the most amazing events which meant that the um, employees were engaged the colleagues were engaged and yes it wasn't easy I had to dance around union negotiations and you can't have a member of staff go out there because of that oh but we figured it out you know there's all sorts of reasons not to do it but there are a hell of a lot more reasons to do it so think again open it up to your team it's amazing what they'll come out with yeah, they know, right? They're the ones that are talking to the customers. They're the ones that, that know what people want. They know what the, the challenges are. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's funny. We, do, we don't do a good job typically in hospitality of engaging locals. And I've been talking about this, I feel like, for most of last year at this point, because that yeah. there's no silver bullet right now, but that mm-hmm. is the piece that if you're not doing it yet, yeah. you've got to find a way to get locals to come in and I mean I know we're not doing indoor dining pretty much anywhere right now but mm-hmm. take take out or just you know engage them online you know give away gift cards for future future purchases whatever it is let them know that you're there and I imagine the friends of the empress program it did a lot of good obviously for the team internally mm-hmm. but it probably changed the perception of the hotel within the community as well oh Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. It was, and it was great fun. When I first had arrived here, I would tell people where I worked and they went, oh, you know, oh, I haven't been there. And within a couple of years, it was like, I took my granny there or Mm -hmm. I took my friends when they came from so-and-so. And And it was because of this card that was saying, welcome, you know? And so often within, within properties, especially in my opinion, and I've worked for many five stars, in five stars, we get very, even even with sandals, we get, oh, you know, we have these international travelers that come to sandals and we really are not going to treat our Jamaican guests like that. And often, sometimes you hear members of staff saying, 
oh, well, they're locals. And I'd be like, what? Oh, well, they're on a local rate. Do you know why they're on a local rate? Do you know how lucky we are that they're coming here? And sometimes when they when they weigh it up, they don't see it. But it's so important to yeah. to keep the locals to yeah. It's, I couldn't it's agree are. more. So so the takeaway really is if you are in a frontline position mm-hmm. and you want to affect change in your your hotel, your restaurant, your business, don't lose faith and stop bringing ideas up yes. the chain. Because right. the only the way I look at it is you're only you're limited to how much you can save by reducing costs, but you are unlimited with how much you can sell and how you can drive and the different ideas you can come up with. Adam, I've got a retreat planned for February, end of February. And at the moment, we can't go on that retreat because of public health orders. Mm-hmm. But there's a choice. You have a choice. I, I want all the leaders to think about this. You can either be on the stands or you can be on the court. I think Brenny Brown said that. You choose to either observe and go, what's everybody else doing? Or you give it a shot. You know, I put this retreat out there. I hope it sells out. I hope you have enough to go with it. I hope the public public health orders allow us to. But if they don't, you know what? I tried something. I tried it. And I I might fail, if, if you want to use that word fail, but I have created something that a template that I will use in May and I will use in September. Yeah. 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 Get out there and do it. Just do yeah. it. Yeah. For sure. That's really, that's really gotta be the, 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 you know, get up to stand up that that's the, that's gotta be the 21. We, we can't keep wallowing in this. Right. We have to find solutions. We have to keep trying things. We have to keep pushing forward. Uh, with the principles of, you know, great expense management, you know, you can't, you have to be smart. Uh, you know, trying new sources to find new sources of business, taking care of your team. I mean, this has to be your North star going yes. through the year. And, you know, when I look at, again, that I know I focus on other businesses, but I'll say something about mine, for example, is one of the things I, I am in the process of doing is putting my courses online. I never had my courses online before. And the most I was doing in 2020 was doing them in actual time, right? Mm-hmm. Real time. So I had 12 people in my Zoom, et cetera. But now I know the way forward and forever, regardless of when the pandemic finishes, is to have my courses online. So one of the things was to research. And one of the companies said, yes, we can do it for between 60 and $100,000. That's after talking to me for an hour and a half and, my, and another associate. There's no way I'm investing sixty to $100,000 in putting my courses online. So I'm also looking at Kajabi, which is one of many platforms that I can I, now I'm totally out of my depth here. It yeah. makes me totally nervous, but I'm going to have to figure it out mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if I want what my intention, the rebuilding with intention. If I'm going to keep that in my mind, yeah. then I'm going to figure it out and go out of my comfort zone in 2021. I love it. We've uh, we've covered uh, a ton of ground uh, today. I think uh, hopefully there's something in what we've discussed that somebody will take and run with that, that it resonated with somebody nugget. on property. I just, just, just one want nugget. one nugget, <laughs> but you've got retreats going on. You've got courses going on, webinars going on. Teresa, if people want to learn more about you, learn more about what you're doing, learn more about the resiliency project, uh, what's a good place for them to go? They just go to my website, which is blue mountain doc solutions. Easy. There you go. And and we'll I, link to I it in the show notes. internationally. So it's, it's, I'm accessible to everybody. <laughs> That sounds good. Any plans for more uh, leadership courses? Because I attended one of yours uh, earlier in 
2020 when you first kicked That's them off. Right. I, th- I thought they were fantastic. Lovely. Yeah. Thank you. Any so plans for more are- of that? Um, to do the hospitality, you know, we're, we're going to look at how, because they were packaged so well, that, that it seemed like the hour and a half really worked, that those are the models we're going to look at to do online. So everything will be on the website for sure, bluemountain.solutions or Instagram as well is where I promote everything. Um, so yeah, that's where it will be. Look forward to seeing it. Great. Thank yeah. you, Adam. Teresa, thanks so much for being on the show today. Oh, my pleasure. This is such a great podcast to listen to. I I love it. Thank you very much. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. This was my episode with Teresa Ito. Be sure to visit her website, bluemountain.solutions, or you can find her on Facebook. I'll link to her profile in the show notes. You can find the full interview on YouTube. Just search the Proven Principles podcast. And if you want to learn more about the show or find past episodes, just head over to our website, theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. Finally, if you need help revamping a business strategy or just someone to work with on a tough problem in your hotel or restaurant, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can book a free call with me by going to knowinghospitality.com slash contact. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. For past episodes, show notes, or if you've got a story that might make a great episode, head on over to theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, even on YouTube. And if you haven't already, don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening to the Proven Principles Podcast.